You are listening to the home of Milwaukee's realist conversations. 1017 FM, 1510 AM, WGKB Waukesha, and W269DL Milwaukee, a locally owned Good Karma brand station. You are listening to MKE in the Morning on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. What's up, y'all? We are back. It's 8 a.m., the 8 o'clock hour here on MKE in the morning. We're talking about mental health, and we are being joined now on the line by Michael and Akia Red. Michael Red, of course, Bucks legend, Olympian, all-star, and man of the people. He comes back to the city often, gives back, and very excited to have a conversation with him and his wife, Akia, all about mental health, um, about minority health, and how you can support your spouse during mental health crises, as well as Akia's work in creating safe spaces for women of color. Good morning, Michael and Akia. How are you two doing today? Good morning. Doing awesome. Oh, good. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you both for joining us. Um, Okay, why don't we just go ahead and get right into it. So, Akia, you've got your third book coming out here soon, um, and it's called The Precipice of Mental Health, Becoming Your Own Safe Space. And you share your own personal battle with mental illness, um, and you kind of help you know readers understand that path to self-help and healing for those who are suffer- suffering, struggling, and stressed. And I think that's very vulnerable of you to put yourself out there and make it so that you know people can relate to your own mental health struggles. What is it that inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, I mean, I think that just when I started going through all of this stuff um, on such a like magnified level um, back in 2016, um, even then, you know, I didn't even know what to call it. So, you know, I think that as I went along the healing journey and the growth kind of just like culminated, I think that, you know, I just continued to write about it because I want to always encourage people that healing is not linear and just because you know you may have a really good season you know there are times that you have ebbs and flows and the hope is is that once you get to a place of recovery that you have less of the darker times and so I think the more that I communicate with my audience about those types of things and show them my vulnerability and continue to tell my story I think that it would encourage them to you know do the same. That's huge. That's huge. If you're just tuning in, which you should have been here, we are talking talking to <laughs> Michael and uh, Akia Red, who are huge proponents not in not just in in our community in the city here, but you know nationally as far as mental health, um, as a couple, as a black 
thriving couple, you guys impart such wisdom into the community. What made you guys really want to go on this journey and set yourselves onto the path of what I would call uh, self-enlightenment, uh, a higher understanding of self-worth, being able to uh, claim yourself as a more important figure, not just for your own self-benefit, but for the people around you self-benefit. Um, you know, I got, I got a brand new baby boy at home, my wife as well, and it's like, I've come into a new understanding at to, as to what the importance is to mental health because before um I, I will speak freely and say you know he's like oh mental health kind of pish posh if you will whatever whatever I, I will be fine but now i'm realizing that the i will be fine needs to be followed with the actually be okay because i'm able to speak on what is troubling me so what made you guys really just kind of look at each other and go yeah this this is our calling Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I guess I would say, you know, for me, I'll take the time to just answer, you know, my first. Um, I always tell people when they ask this um, that it didn't I didn't choose it. It chose me, you know, and I think that ultimately, you know, life has a funny way of like if you don't deal with life, life deals with you. And so for me, I think, you know, I went through this major, major breakdown in 2016 to where it was absolutely impossible for me to ignore it. I mean, I had ignored it for so long that at that point, you know, the, the anxiety um, was taking a toll on me physically. And it was no longer like a, a, you know, just in my head, if you will. It was actually starting to affect my body, which it does when you do not attuned to that. So that was actually, you know, what got me on the path. And I think staying on the path was more so just because we are parents to children who will lead this next generation and this next wave. And as you know, we all know social media and just the, you know, comparison and, and all kinds of things, you know, that is actually what is, you know, driving our young people to, to be more, you know, I don't know, I guess, you know, crazed about being like everybody else. And so that's why we decided to step up. I love that. Michael, I'm curious, what what is your mental health journey been like as far as, you know, being in a couple that speaks on mental health for couples? Because I, I think it's pretty remarkable that you both are so open and so vulnerable with your own personal struggles. What's it been like for you to navigate this journey with your wife? And how did you come to that point where you knew that this was something you could do together? Yeah, from the very outset, it's it's been about a we thing more than a her thing. And um, it's been a journey. It's been quite the journey. And, and my sole focus has been to continue to find ways on how I can help support her. And at the same time, just be locked in and intentional about supporting her the best way I can. Um, so, yeah, it's been quite the journey, but we've learned a lot together. Um, she's hopefully never felt like she's been alone in this journey. And um, it's been something that has been of the utmost importance to me uh, to see her continue to grow and help her any way I can. Michael, I'm curious, as a black man, was it difficult for you to go on this mental health journey with your wife? Because my experience with black men and mental health, it's not good. I'll just be honest. I think more in our community, the men are just so, like, against 
mental health and healing. And I don't know if it's because we've just been, you know, preached from an early age to just be strong and tough no matter what. But I am curious for you personally, was it difficult to embark on this mental health journey just for you as an individual? I think it was a lack of awareness, right? It's, it, it's ignorance at the end of the day, right? We uh, have certain stigmas against therapy, medicine, medications, um, because we just don't know, right? So um, we did not have language early on um, in going through some of the challenges that uh, that we were going through. Um, and obviously, recently, a lot of athletes have come out in the last couple of years sharing their stories and being vulnerable. Um but it, it is it is something that uh, we as black people kind of shy away from, you know. And so for me, it was a matter of just getting educated on the whole mental health space and then discovering, hey, I'm dealing with some things in my life, even as I play, you know. And uh, it's just a matter of, like, educating yourself and, and, and going behind the veil and, and, and really becoming more um, just aware of what, what it is and, and how to grow from it. Yeah. yeah. And if I could add something to that, too, like um, to that point, you know, we are we we naturally fear what we don't understand. Right. And I think that that's not just with mental health. That's with everything in life. And and one of the things that that Michael and I did do together when I had the official diagnosis and we had language is that we researched and educated ourselves on what that diagnosis looks like, what the prognosis is, treatment options. And I was always very open with him about therapy sessions and, you know, the decisions that I was making as it, res- as it relates to the, the treatment that I was going to do. So I think that, you know, that would be a starting point because some people probably are listening like, where do I even start? Well, education, knowledge is, knowledge is power. And so if you educate yourself on whatever it is that, you know, you may be diagnosed with or you think that you're going through, I think that that's a good starting point. I think that's a great starting point. Great starting point. We're being joined by Michael and Nakia Red. I got to ask you guys both, um, because it is, as Mel was, you know, mentioning being a couple and being, you know, in the forefront of mental health, not just for individuals, but for couples um, and with children at that Um. Michael, for you, being an athlete, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, you know, toot your horn for you, but, I mean, you you still top five, top five leading scores for the Bucks. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's pressures that come along with being the guy. No, you, no, for real, though. There's pressures that come along with, with being such a leading figure and with, you know, the support of the woman that, that – gets you at at the end of the night, you know what I'm saying, that gets you when the show's over, when the cameras are off. Like, those are two different parallels as far as, like, the question for both of you being, where do you guys think is the a good starting point or a good advice point for, for those couples that maybe don't know where to start as far as I know my partner can and is possibly going through something, but maybe their position, their role, their job, or the way they feel about as far as men go, sometimes needing to just be that protector kind of thing. Where where can you adjust or where do you suggest people start with one another to really invest time into getting to the bottom of it? Yeah, one of the one of the things that was helpful for me, and thank you for saying those nice things um, about my career. Um, I think um, obviously being people of faith was foundational to everything that we. Uh, I wind up using as far as tools. One of the tools for me was therapy. 
Uh, not only does Kia have a therapist um, and other resources, I have a therapist. And that has certainly enlightened me and awakened me to a lot of issues, even in my own life, because um, of all that I went through, some of the pressures, issues that I, I dealt with, my not only my EQ, emotional intelligence, but also relational intelligence. I couldn't relate to people the way I, I can now because of, you know, the pressures that I was in, um, even with my wife, right? Warrior mentality, 24-7, um, you know, not a whole lot of room for deep conversation um, because of getting ready to play Kobe and D Wade and LeBron and, and, and carrying the franchise for as long as I did. Um, so just learning to develop soft skills, right? So going to therapy was huge for me. Um, having people around me uh, to hold me accountable uh, to some of the goals that I want to accomplish with my wife uh, was, was important. Um, so there was a level of vulnerability that, that I had to walk in. Um, and, and talk it out. Yeah, and I would say for me, um, I would tell anybody curiosity. You know, we there's a there's an adage where people say curiosity killed the cat. I don't. I like wholeheartedly disagree with that statement because I feel like, and I truly believe that you have to get curious, not just with yourself. I mean, that's important for, you know, discovering who you truly are authentically, but also, you know, helping understand, helping you understand who the people you're in relationship with are and what they've been through and what they're going through. So, you know, just asking the right questions, for example, you know, tangibly that looks like, you know, if I were to make a statement to Michael and say, you know, I just really feel like I'm a failure. There could be, for me, no other reason than, like, this trauma response, right, because of what I've been through that makes me, like, a current situation make me feel like that. But a supportive partner will look at you and say, instead of trying to fix it and say, you're not a failure, what they'll say first is, tell me more about that. And so you're, you're, you're asking them to explain more before you rush in and try to be a rescuer and save them. Because ultimately, you guys, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so you have got to show that you care by being completely curious and invested into your partner. And I would like to say that Michael has done a tremendous job of showing me that in supporting me. And I think that we are getting better with each other um, and, and being that, that safe space for each other. That's beautiful. We're talking with Michael and Akia Red, Bucks legend, Michael Red, author Akia Red. And I have to ask both of you, I know that you're, well, you said that you are faith-based, which I, I did know that about you both. And that's a beautiful thing. So I appreciate you uh, letting us know that. I'm curious, what kind of conversations do you have with your kids regarding mental health? Mm. And are and how open are you with your own mental struggles as far as talking to your kids? You want to take that one? or Lead it off. Okay. <laughs> um, so... <sighs> We're very honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like he just, he's agreeing over here. I mean, he knows, like, we're very honest, you know. Um, to be truthful, when I was going through all of this in 2016, at the start of it, my kids were young, but they weren't, like, babies. So, noticeably, you know, there were things that they could tell, like, that was happening. And actually, this most recent break that I had, um, 
before, like right before pinning um, the precipice of mental health, my kids were, you know, older, right? So I think Mikey was, I want to say he was 12 and Arden was probably like nine at the time. And so now they're both like 14 and 11. And so they would come in the room and they would see me crying on the closet floor for, for weeks on end. So I had no choice but to be honest with them and to tell them the truth and also to help them sit in their feelings and lean into, you know, being uncomfortable. And through that honesty, you're able to really impart to your children resilience because they'll see you going through that, but then they also see you coming out on the other side. So there's, you know, the silver lining in that. One of the greatest things I can ever teach my son in particular is to be weak and to weep and cry. And, you know, me and his mom are preparing him and his sister to become wives and husbands. So, um, you know, so we were very open to our kids about, you know, what we've gone through, some of the struggles, uh, challenges. Maybe they can help them identify earlier some of the things that they may mm-hmm. be going through. They have a voice. We're teaching them to have a voice and not um, suppress mm-hmm. what they're feeling and what they're going through as preteens and teens. Um, so they have a huge head start on us mm-hmm. compared to what we went through in high school. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think they're going to be better off for it. I think that's amazing. Thank you guys so much for for answering that. I mean, I'm over here trying to trying to take notes on the low, so so the so the student here don't see me like okay, just let <laughs> let the little boy cry, let him feel his feelings. Okay, I love it. Okay, let him let him cry. Exclamation point. It's okay, you know, because we do grow up. You know, little boy little boys don't cry. You know. Dust yourself off. That's right. Well, Rub a little down. You know, like you. Yeah. You, you grow up with the, the little boy mentality of you will always be okay. You're fine, right? No, yeah. y'all, no, that's not the case. And um, Akia, you know, digressing a little bit into what you said about your children witnessing you, you know, cry, you know, seeing that. Um, I remember my mother, you know, just being. In, in a similar mode and, and, and my father being working and me kind of like putting that pressure on me to like feel like I needed to to make sure my mother was OK. But she would always impart on me that it's like, no, no, I am OK. I am feeling what I'm feeling. You know, we don't necessarily talk about it. My family didn't talk about stuff like that. So it's like there's a whole nother parallel there. But <laughs> we we were shown that emotions are had. Um, we were just not necessarily shown that they were had appropriately sometimes. But being able to see that and and see the growth from that and see a change from that, I think is huge. And being able to talk about those emotions, because when you only see them and you don't talk about them, you harbor some types of feelings on them and you create your own narrative. Right. You know, when you express what's actually going on and why these emotions are happening, you get to mm-hmm. full scope and you get to paint a picture of how we got to this and how we're going to get through this. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, a little science for you. And Michael has heard me say this a, a gazillion times, but there are. So if you ever remember, you know, hearing adults say when you were a kid or even like, you watching your baby um, grow up, like, you know, they get so upset that they cry themselves to sleep. And so here's a little bit of science for you. There are two things that will reset a brain, crying and taking a nap. And so that is our body's natural way to release whatever we're feeling, to release toxins, 
you release toxins when you cry. And then sometimes you feel or you're so worn out from crying and the emotions are so tiring that you just lay down and you go to sleep. You're drained. And so one of the things that one of the things that I say to people when they're like, you know, in real time, like a kid, like, how can I just like push through this right now? I'm like, have a good cry and go take a nap. That's like you can't do anything better because when you get up from that nap, maybe life isn't better, but your perspective is a lot more clear because your brain is reset to handle whatever it is. So that's the science behind it. And I will say that there is a wonderful neuroscience scientist here in Ohio that has backed me up on that. So, (laughs) you know, so just everybody know you can research it, do the research on your own, but never discourage your children to be detached from their feelings and their emotions. That is one of the worst parenting mistakes that we can make. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I'm, I'm going to take a lot of the wisdom you guys just gave us uh, and, and hopefully make y'all proud. I'm trying to get these books. You know what I'm saying get one sent to the studio, <laughs> something. I got one. I got one more question for you guys. We've got one more question. What do you? What's the go to as far as maybe you know you need a comfort snack or uh, a little getaway <laughs> moment? What do you do? What's your immediate? Do you close your eyes for a couple seconds? Do you meditate? What's the go to when you feel yourself getting overwhelmed? Uh, uh, maybe in a physical or, or mental sense? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think for me, and this may be surfacey, but like having hobbies mm-hmm. is important. So uh, golf for me is a huge hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a chance to get into the wilderness and, and enjoy some peace and quiet and meditate to your point um, and, and block out any noise and, and just begin to just lock in into nature. And, uh, that's one of my outlets for me. Um, you want to go? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say, um, for me, go to would be, I mean, we live in the Midwest, right? So like, I can't ride my bike all 12 months of the year, unfortunately, but like if I'm having a rough time in the summer, spring or fall, I will go take a bike ride. Um, there's something about like the wind in my face and like just me looking around at all the beauty outside so nature is you know there's something about breathing in that oxygen that also helps me so I I do that and then the second thing is like if I'm stuck in the house and it's cold and snowing I will turn on my all-time favorite which is 90s R&B and I will freaking have a dance party I mean I've turned the music up so loud to where I can't even think about anything else other than what is coming out of the speakers and I just move around and I sing and I dance and it, it helps me go to a happy place. That sound therapy. And that part straight up. <laughs> Michael, Akia, we so appreciate the two of you. Is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners before we let you go? You want to say anything? You want to go first? No? Well, I mean, listen, I, I would be remiss, you know, not to like promote the book, but like this third book, The Precipice of Mental Health, Becoming Your Own Safe Space comes out Tuesday, May 3rd. Please like set it on fire. Go pre-order the book, buy the book. You can get it anywhere. And um, also you can head over to Etikia Red on Instagram and follow me. I'm always like sharing content, my latest and greatest like ideas and tips. The book is very riveting. Uh, I'm biased, but the book is, <laughs> book is it's incredible. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of Akia's journey. Um, she's helped so many people along the way, and um, hopefully those who are listening today will get the help that they need. Yeah. Um, 
and then obviously let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. Come on, you already know, back. Michael. I love it. How you feeling? How you feeling about uh, this Boston series coming up? You know, I got to ask you now that you brought up the Bucks. Uh, of course, of course. I, I, obviously, I'm rooting for our our, our, our squad. We're going to miss Chris. Um, you know, Chris is such an important piece to our team, and I'm kind of biased to him because he wears number 22. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he he will be missed in this series for sure. Um, but Grayson Allen, Pat Connington have stepped up tremendously. Our front line, obviously the MVP, um, Giannis. I like our chances against Boston. Boston will be tough, but I like our chances still. I do too, and it, I mean, it's safe to say, especially once you get to the playoffs, it's a mental game. It really is, and I think that the yep. Bucks do such a great job of making sure that their guys are mentally strong and, you know, keeping them grounded and making sure that there's self-care involved in, you know, their everyday routines as well, in addition to basketball, because as you know, I'm sure better than anyone, it's bigger than basketball at the end of the day. 100%. 100%. And, and there's something to be said about the championship experience, right, Absolutely. that they have now, so... There's nothing too hard of a situation for them. Absolutely. Again, joined by NBA legend and former Olympian Michael Red and his beautiful wife and author, Akia Red. Make sure you buy her book. It's coming out Tuesday, May 3rd, The Precipice of Mental Health, Becoming Your Own Safe Space. Michael and Akia, thank you both so much. We really appreciate you. We appreciate you guys. Thank you Thank for you having both. us. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Milwaukee, we appreciate y'all having this conversation with us. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know how you're taking care of yourself and your mental health. What's your self-care practices? We want to know. 833-212-1017.